welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today who has been here before, and thank you for being back, Brian. Brian Castle, the founder of Clarity Flow. How are you, Brian? Hey, Sean, doing good. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, super excited to talk updates and a lot more from there. It sounds like there's been a lot in terms of development on the Clarity Flow side. So before we get there, if you wouldn't mind uh, just re refreshing kind of our audience yourself, uh, your background, so they can learn a little bit more about you, and then we'll dive into the updates. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a product person, uh, you know, full stack product designer, software. Um, uh, I, I come from a background as a designer and then, you know, going back, I, I had a few different companies that I built and sold, um, sold off everything in 2021. I, I used to do more like service stuff, consulting, and then productized services and marketing and all that. But ultimately I landed on, on SaaS and I've been at this for a couple of years now. And, um, yeah, this latest product is Clarity Flow. It it was previously uh, named Zip Message. I was uh, running it under the name Zip Message for about two years, and then just recently this year in 2023, we've rebranded to Clarity Flow. And I could talk more about that whole story, but um, you know, today it's a product for uh, asynchronous uh, messaging, uh, especially for coaches uh, communicating with uh, clients having like asynchronous video, audio, text messages, like, you know, threaded messages back and forth. Um, but now as Clarity Flow is, is growing, we're, you know, we're getting into uh, payments for coaches, like selling access to your coaching, uh, running coaching programs and hosting courses, uh, really designed like courses for, co for coaches who do like some uh, personalized help with the content and then spaces. Uh, so like bringing together coaching groups, communities, um, and doing all that under the hood of this like asynchronous messaging platform, essentially. So it's, it's sort of a lot there, but it really all, all revolves around asynchronous conversations, you know, being able to record a message, send it to someone, they watch it, they send it back to you. And it's all in a threaded conversation. Now, there's been a few people on my network since we spoke on the last time we recorded an episode together that have shared with me different different new methods of communication asynchronously, including audio and whatnot. And I'm always mm -hmm. thinking about Clarity Flow since they're mentioning that and, and other stuff that we talked about as well too, in terms of like even building a business, building software, running SaaS, all that kind of stuff, and just how much can be done asynchronously. I've I mean, really it's incredible. Into it. It's super powerful. We've like more than leaned into it. My, my team and I, we literally don't have calls, live, like live calls. We it were a hundred percent asynchronous and I'm not, it's weird. It's a little bit weird, but I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> like we literally, uh, just have, um, we, you know, we use like Slack and we use GitHub issues and stuff like that when we're working on stuff. But, uh, we do have like video meetings where they're seeing my face, they're seeing my screen. I'm seeing their response. We're collaborating together on things but we're doing it across the world, across time zones and spread out at a time that makes sense, but we can really still have the same level of collaboration as if we're on a live call together. I, I actually would even argue that it's better um, because we have space in between our collaboration. So I could ask something and then my marketing assistant can think about it and do some work and jot down some notes and then get back to me with her thoughts. And then I digest that and I get back. So 
Um, it, I really think that communicating asynchronously and having these meetings at like a slower, more spread out pace uh, really, really helps a lot. Um, so I mean, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and like we see it, obviously most of our users use it for client communication. So you can yep. not only like scale your client coaching or consulting with these asynchronous threads, but again, it, it sort of makes it like an even better experience to have like a deep conversation using a lot of, a lot of them use like audio only messages or video messages. So yep. yeah, it works really well. Definitely powerful stuff. I mean, it, I can't help but think sometimes nowadays when I'm on one-to-one -one meetings or even worse, if I'm in a group setting, that so many meetings and so much time and effort and energy is largely wasted because yep. only one person could be talking at a time, right? So if you got a meeting with like 10 people on it or it grows even larger than that, just the um, the cost to hold that session when most people aren't and aren't really doing much. It, it, <laughs> so it, that, asynchronous for the win all day there. That is what always amazes me. Just thinking about like the the pure waste of time and money to have like eight different people on the same meeting. I mean, you're it, that's literally like seven people are not working right now. You know, <laughs> right? Hundred um, percent. Totally agree. And, and also, but but again, like getting back to it, like I I really also think that like if you're on a live call, you're sort of on the spot. If you ask a question, the other right. person or, or someone asks a question of you, you have to have an answer right now. So you're just going to blurt out whatever the first thing that comes to mind is. And that, that might sure. not be your best idea. You might not have, you know, taken some time when you're asynchronous, you can jot down some notes, you can do some research, you can tighten it up and then offer it. You know? Yes. I want to live in this world. So let's talk more about <laughs> updates since we talked last because we're excited to talk about quite a bit so yeah share with us since we did the last recording obviously there's been the rebrand i think there's some other changes as well too talk to us about what progress has looked like and what uh, changes you put in place and why yeah i mean it's been a really jam-packed year so far um with uh changing over from zip message to clarity flow and we're recording this you know right at the end of may into june and I'd say at this point, we're basically complete with that transition. Like we've, we've transitioned to the website, you know, it, everything redirects now to clarity flow, the app and, and product all lives on clarity flow. Um, we've also changed our pricing. We're, uh, we're, we're rolling out a whole bunch of new features. We have mobile apps coming out. We've got all, all these other stuff coming out. Um, but it's been a, a lot of work to get the clarity flow brand launched. And a lot of under the hood stuff that was really difficult to work through, especially the domain stuff. And, and I mean, we're not talking about just redirecting the marketing site domain to the new one. It's, it's also the app, which was on zipmessage.com. Like we actually used the root domain for our account, like the customer's accounts. Um, and we've transitioned all of them to like subdomains on Clarity Flow, uh, it, you know, so that combined with a billing update, which was also not just a price change, but it was like we changed the model. We went from freemium to, um, you know, not freemium. And so it, it was just a lot of under the hood work, which was I'm, I'm glad that it's all behind us now because it, it did take us off of our product roadmap for a little while just to get that stuff transitioned over. Um, but now we're back to like really actively working through these features. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it'd be hard to something that seems simple or straightforward is like, we're going to change our name. Depending on how much you have to change because of that, 
it can be unassuming in terms of the impact that's going to have elsewhere. Like you said, pulling you away from the product roadmap and just how much is involved. So be curious to hear you maybe talk a little bit more about the motivation uh, to go through with the change, what your, any lessons learned from it as well too. And then I definitely want to hear more about the change in pricing model as in like what led you to want to make an adjustment and then what was making the change like, and have you seen any results of that yet? Yeah, sure. So um, first of all, just the decision to actually change the name of the business. Uh, I like I didn't want to do it at all because <laughs> um, because yeah, I, I knew that it, <laughs> I, I just I just knew how much work it was. And I, I wasn't yeah. necessarily really tied or in love with the name Zip message, but um, I did want to avoid having to change the domain and the and and the brand right. and, and all that. Um, because it is a lot of work and it turned out to be a lot of work, <laughs> like even more than I expected. Um, but what happened was like last year, 2022, middle of the year or so um, was when I started to do a really deep dive uh, into customer research, figuring out like who are our users on Zip Message. Like I had an idea, but it was, it was a really a wide array of different users and use cases. So I want to better understand like who are the best users and, and who's getting the absolute most value out of this product. Um, I pretty quickly learned that it was coaches. I, I had seen coaches using it since day one. Um, they were always a segment for us, but like it, it started, once I started to do a, a whole lot of customer interviews in 2022, I, I really started to realize like everyone else who's using our product is using it in a very like light way. Like it's, it's kind of a useful tool for them, but they could easily swap it out with something else. Whereas the coaches were using it in a much more central, like essential thing that actually ran their whole business um, and their client communications. Um, so I dug into that some more and I did a whole lot more interviews with all coaches. Uh, and I spent really most of last year doing that, just researching and understanding everything that I could about how coaches are not only using our tool, but the other two or three, four tools that they're duct taping together to, to do what they want to do to run their business. And I started to really get super clear on like, okay, they're using us for, for this async stuff and they're trying to duct tape us on top of a course software over here. And then they also have a community group area over here and some group forum software or a Slack or something or a Facebook group. And, and then they do payments maybe manual invoicing, maybe a Stripe account. Um, and they're trying to like Zapier duct tape all these things together, um, which we do have a Zapier uh, integration, but it's still just sort of a clunky uh, experience for most of these coaching programs. And um, and so once I started to really learn all about that, it, it became clear that like, okay, we, ha- we have a really good async conversations, async messaging solution but we're still missing like two or three or four of these other components that a coach is trying to piece together um, in a really seamless integrated way. And so that's where the, the vision for what is now clarity flow started to come together. So like, if you look at our site now, it's like, yeah, we're still like an async conversations at the core, but um, we're building into more of a platform to run an entire coaching business. Um, So I got to really understand like exactly what they're trying to do and then that informed uh, all the features that we're rolling out now. You know? Awesome. Quick question there. And uh, I mean, actually, like, well, back to yep. the name change, like yeah. the, the name zip message, I just got, I, I got feedback from a lot of people 
um, mm -hmm. through that research process saying like, you know, zip message doesn't sound like the direction that you're going. And also the name zip message sounds and it's associated more with just like a, a free or a cheap messaging tool. Um, uh, you know, so it doesn't really, it, so I, what turn what convinced me finally in early 2023 was that, you know, we have to go through with a name change. It was that like, if this new direction pivot repositioning is, is going to have any chance of success, success, like the name zip message would actually detract from that. So that's um, super interesting and yeah. great data and insight and feedback, right? That that's the thing. That's something I figured out about naming. I, number one, I've always gravitated towards thematic naming. I just did a podcast episode on that as well, too. That's a whole other topic. But the other piece is like you can't it's, it can be difficult to predict how people are going to interpret whatever the name is or means or their in, interaction with it. You know what I mean? So I love that you have the research and the data that speaks to feedback on it. And that influenced the decision as well. And then another question I had was what analytics or tools, if any, did you use to try to like segment your audience into here are folks that are kind of using it semi-frequently or passively and here are folks that are using it regularly like it's a clear pattern in this group um we, we didn't really well okay so I, yeah i guess there are a few different tools that i used in terms of just like talking to customers it was just a lot of zoom calls and a lot of at the time it was, it was called zip message so we were using my own tool for a lot of asynchronous love it um, but I mean, I, I didn't do it entirely asynchronous, asynchronously when I was doing customer research calls, I, I did have a whole lot of just live zoom calls. Um, and the reason for that was, was cause, um, a lot of them were like 45 minutes to an hour of like deep dive, like jobs to be done style interviews. Um, and I, I did a lot of them asynchronously as well. It's just that it, it does drag out over a longer period of time when it's async. Um, so it was kind of a combination of both for a lot Good of mix. Um, in terms of other tools, like, so every call was recorded uh, and, and logged in, or well, we would save them in Dropbox, but then we, we had a big notion database of nice. every call, uh, some notes about the call and who this customer is when they started using the product. Um, or in some, in some cases they're, they're not users of the product. We were just interviewing all different coaches. Um, but aside from the actual talking to customers, I was also analyzing data. So I use Mixpanel to look at like usage data in the product, um, chart mogul to look at the, you know, the, the stats on the business. Um, so I was looking at that stuff and, and also we have a lot of custom reporting stuff built into our own database to get a, a good understanding of, um, like we have like an onboarding, um, uh, survey that every user goes through. So uh, when they start using the product, they check like what, what their main use case is. And then that, that all gets fed into our mix panel, into our chart mogul. So we could literally see how much MRR is coming from people who say that they're using it for coaching, you know? Um, That's awesome. So I could, I could start to, like kind of break it down by that. And, and like all those different pointers, whether it was conversations or usage data, it all pointed to like, coaches are by far the, the best use case for us. Yeah. Cool. I, I think another um, nugget in there that you just mentioned is related to the custom reporting that you might create for your own product, as in plenty of great other options out there too, that you can just kind of bolt on or add as part of the experience. But over time, as you start to learn, you know, where the activation points are, 
what you want to track in terms of what is separating different segments of the audience. Like I'm working on building an admin panel for one of my products now too. And there really isn't like an off the shelf to build me exactly always what I want, but we're building software, so, right? So we can kind of build a little and, bit. And around. even even if you're going to use one of the popular, like we use Mixpanel and Chartmogul. And, and for like email marketing stuff, I use customer IO. Um, all of those are, they're not just plug it in and it, you could do some basic stuff when you just plug it in, but to get any meaningful data out of it. I mean, we have literally spent hundreds of developer hours, my, my own hours and my team's hours to integrate all the data from our customers and users into tools like Mixpanel and Chartmogul, um, to really get, be able to see the graphs that we need to be able to see. Like it's, it, you can't just plug it in. It, it's a lot of it's work. It's not trivial. It's a lot um, of work. It's true. I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about that problem for a long time. And I, the only way that I really see that working is like a consulting model. Like, yeah. and there are consultants that, that you could hire to do this, but like sure. someone to, who really has technical chops, they can, they can work with your database and they can integrate a mix panel or an amplitude or a, you know, whatever you need to, to get it like dialed into what, whatever you need. Um, and then we have our own custom stuff, uh, nothing super fancy there, but just stuff that's like very specific to our own database. Like, uh, yeah. how many people record, like what's the average recording length of a, of a message, um, or like video versus audio only and like stuff like that. You know? Agreed. Yeah. It's nice to have that custom stuff. Uh, be interesting to take a look at the numbers there too, in terms of if we were to go back and evaluate how long it takes us to set up an off-the-shelf tool versus actually build our own. Pretty interesting, but definitely to be considered, right? Just takeaway here, I think, is it's not off-the-shelf plug-and-play always in order to get it to do what it is you want it to do. It actually might yeah. be more expensive or time to set up something that is expected to be easier to plug in than sometimes even building your own, but especially for the custom stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and really last year, like I, it really frustrated me in terms of like how many hours we were spending right. on just, on just dialing in mix panel and chart mogul. Um, and I, and believe me, I love those tools. I think that they're fantastic yeah. products, um, but it is not easy to get them up and running. And what was frustrating me about it was that like, this was at a time last year and we're still in this like startup phase where, you know, running after like product market fit, like trying to ship features that our customers need, but we need that visibility. We need the data. So we, so we have to be able to report on the data. We have to spend hours being able to report. And those are hours where we're not building features, but I could, it's all about priorities, right? Like I could, I could push the, the setting up mix panel and stuff to down the road. We'll, we'll deal with that later, but then, then you go months without reporting all that data, you know? So it's like, that that was really frustrating for a while, but we've, we've got it all. Chicken and egg problem. That's a really good point though. I think, especially when you start to gain traction with your product, right? Prioritization becomes critically important because if you put the wrong step in front of a step that should have been prioritized, like you said, you could pause something that's really important for at a really, really critical moment, like an inflection point. So that's well 100%. articulated also. That's definitely, to me, that's, I agree. That is the hardest and most critical thing to, and you're not going to get it right. Like you're definitely going to work on things that I, I know I look back on things like we should not have done things in that order, or I spent too much time on this versus that. Um, but if, but I, I look at it like 
like a batting average, you, you want to just keep that average up um, and get more hits than misses. So like, um, <laughs> well yeah. said, um, let's talk a little bit about pricing. Cause I know you made some changes there. And if I remember correctly, you were saying that it was freemium before, but you've uh, changed from that. I'd love to hear a little bit more uh, from the strategy and behind making that decision, maybe what performance looked like before, if that's officially been implemented and everything already this far. And if you sure. have any, after the fact data or results on that so far in terms of like, did it help move the needle in the right direction? Yeah. So um, I guess I'll start by just saying that like, this is not, I don't misread this as like, you should not do freemium or you should do freemium or you, or you should price this way or that way. It, it's literally a different strategy for every different business. And, and that's, that's actually what happened, right? Like in, the the worldview around what this product is and the go to market strategy all changed when the strategy changed from zip message to clarity flow so in the in the zip message world the idea pretty early on was um you know this is a it was a low priced product um and it was competing in the same sort of space as like loom and even slack and like voxer and like other chat apps um, that are either free or very low cost. So, you know, like given that, like we had to, not not just because they, they were free, we had to have a free option, but it was also like, this is the strategy. If we can get a lot of free users, they can use it for free and share it. Um, and, we, and we can start to see that viral thing happening where if you start a message here and you communicate with someone, then, they start using it and then they can spread it to their clients or their organization. Um, we had it going like that using a free, a freemium model for about a year. So we had like a free plan, you know, free forever plan. And then we had like a, like a $19 plan and a $39 plan. I think um, it worked. It, it was going for about a year and it, and it basically worked fine. Um, but it was other issues. What, ha what ultimately happened was, um, the freemium strategy for us didn't have the intended effect. Like we still saw some MRR growth, but we didn't see that top of funnel like explosion in like, oh, this is a free tool that like so many people are using. So, because freemium essentially is a marketing strategy. You're, you're trying to get a lot of free users Gross. so that you can convert a, a percentage of them. Um, what, what we ended up seeing in terms of the viral growth was that the virality was coming from paid users. It wasn't coming from free users. Interesting. So what a lot of people were doing was starting on the free plan and then converting to our paid plans, like sometimes same day, sometimes within like three days, but typically on a, uh, with a freemium strategy, you sort of want to see like lots of free users use, actively using the free plan for a long time and then upgrading. Um, but like using it actively and sharing it. So having like a super generous free plan, I, I think ours was pretty limited, um, uh, you know, but then kind of fast forward to all the customer research and pivoting to in, into uh, being, being a tool for coaches and growing the, the use case. Now we're in a completely different space. Now, now we're in space, a space where, again, they're sort of duct taping together a messaging tool and a course tool and a community tool and a payments tool. Um, and so 
in that in that world like freemium isn't not only is it not necessary it's like uh it it, it doesn't really help the activation and, and onboarding process for for a coach so now we're more of a product with a traditional free trial um you can use all of our power free tr- features for free for two weeks uh you can do a demo uh with me or someone on my team and and we'll help you um, understand how you can like structure your coaching business, you know, using all, using what we offer. Um, and it's a much more like intentional, like evaluating this product as like a thing to power your, your coaching business. So it seems like a better fit as well too, for what your target market is now also expecting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's even interesting to me now, like with our new site on clarity flow, you can just go on there and sign up for a free trial, but like, tiny link at the bottom is like you could request a demo and it's and it's not even like a fancy demo thing yet i haven't optimized this flow or anything but it just goes to like a a super simple contact form and i'm getting contact requests for demos all the time um you know multiple a week (laughs) well yeah but it's it's just interesting because it's like these people could just go trial the product for free no credit card up front but they they just want to talk through it. And these, and they're not just like, they're like serious, actually larger coaching companies who want to go that route. So, so it's interesting to see like, that's how they prefer to buy a product like this. Yeah. That's super fascinating, isn't it? I've had the same with some of my products as well, where almost sometimes building it in terms of it, you expect it to be completely product led and you know, they go into the product first and whatnot, isn't always what the target market wants. Now, mm-hmm. in some of those instances, once they get in the product, they may be fine, but they want a different kind of onboarding flow that you're describing here. So I think it's important yeah. to know that as well, too, because there's a lot of stuff out there that's like product led all the things. Right. And that may or may not be what's right for your target market. You're giving a perfect example where it seems like there's preferential, a lot of preference for wanting to take more of a demo led approach, which, you know, assuming that's not um, in a really intense of volume and amount of time up front or an extended period of time, then that could very well still work um, quite well. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope we get more and more volume on that and, and, uh, and we'll just grow, we'll grow the customer success team and of, of people who will work directly with coach. Like I would love that, you know? Um, so much I, I like think there's a lot of discovery and research too, right? Cause you get oh, an yeah, early it's, touch point. It's great. I, I had one this morning um, and it's just, an, yeah, another, and and it's also interesting to see the difference between the customer research calls that I was doing all of last year and early this year. That's just let me pick your brain about your whole work and your world so I can learn. But now it, I'm getting these inbound demo requests. So they are sales calls. Um, it's not a whole lot different in terms of like the dynamic. Like I'm, I'm still like a laid back, kind of like asking a lot of questions, but but it helps me understand like, all right, if somebody is on a demo call, they requested this time, they're here to like get their objections answered, or they have a, a list of key questions that they need answered before they can make a buying decision. So it's incredibly valuable research for me to understand like, what are those questions? And and I gotta do enough of them. I did this in my previous business where I did hundreds of sales calls for for that, that was audience ops. Um, and after 40 or 50 of them, you start to really see like, oh, it's the same three or four questions that every client has. So then you just start to understand like, well, we have to have perfect answers to these questions. 
you know, okay. not just saying them, but like your pro that's, that's how we build the product is to, is to answer these questions. Totally. Uh, that's a great point. It influences all the way to and through the product. Probably also some marketing material, the web page, how you write, how you kind yeah. of articulate the value, all that kind of stuff. That's amazing. I love having that workflow set up that way. We learned so much and upfront. And like you said, over time, the patterns really start to materialize. Mm -hmm. For sure. Super exciting. There's so much I could talk to you about all this stuff because it's amazing always doing these update calls. So I appreciate you being here and sharing all of this information about Clarity Flow. Sounds like exciting success. Before we let you go, you know, a couple questions, obviously. The first was going to be like, what's next from here? And then uh, who should be, you know, where can people go to learn more about you and Clarity Flow? Yeah. So, um, you know, clarityflow.com is, is our site. And uh, let's start. Uh, I'm personally kind of active on, I'm still active on Twitter. I haven't, I haven't left the ship yet, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm on Twitter at, at cast jam. And also, by the way, I, I co-host a podcast called bootstrapped web with, uh, with my buddy Jordan. And it's really not different from this. It's a lot of behind the scenes talking about what we're working on. Um, what is happening right now? Uh, so I don't know when this is coming out, but we are, coming pretty close to like we've been working on four or five pretty big features all at the same time we've got multiple developers working on different parts of the app right now um but the next things that we're going to be shipping are we have mobile apps for ios and android coming out together um that should be coming in june or july we've got this thing called programs which is like courses and interactive uh, automated async coaching programs a uh, thing called spaces, which is like community spaces, and then payments um, is in the beginning stages. So that'll be coming in, in the summer. Uh, so payments with like Stripe Connect and, and everything kind of all integrated. Um, so those are all at like varying stages of development. And then I think once we get th this stuff really shipped, um, it's time to go back through our new account onboarding flows and update all of that. And uh, you know, have like all new customer case studies and, um, uh, like all, like all new guides on how to use the product, you know, cause we have a lot of stuff that like, it's still accurate information on there, like in our, in our help desk, but, um, with the, with under, under the name clarity flow and all the, all these new features that are coming out, we, we just have to like have a more cohesive way to like learn how to piece everything together. You know? uh well, it sounds like a lot of exciting updates and changes coming. It'd be great to have you back talking about how that process has gone thus far. And then I know we have other topics we want to dive into as well, too, in terms of like content and growth and all that kind of stuff as well, too. So aside of that story, we can add to that uh, process as well, too. But thanks again, Brian, for being here and sharing these updates. It's helpful uh, for sure for myself and our audience. Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me on. This is fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Product Launch. I hope you got value out of it. I like to feature product people on my podcast because that's who I love to help. I'm a product strategist and I can help you scale your business and grow your profit through a product. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you, email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Or visit my website at nextstep.io. That's N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io.
Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.